0: Welcome to Longevity Gains, the show that reveals the near limitless opportunities for digital marketers and entrepreneurs in the longevity economy. We're talking about the people aged 50 and over who already account for more than half of consumer spending in the US and 83% of household wealth, which will only increase in the years to come. It's the 22 trillion dollar opportunity you can't afford to ignore. Brian, we are recording this episode the day before your birthday, which makes this a very special episode. How, how old are you now or will you be here shortly?
1: Uh, well, do we do we have to go there? Oh yeah, we're proud of of our yes. ages, right? Yes. Yes. So assuming I survive my birthday weekend, I am 56 as you're listening to this. 56. Um, if not carry on without me, it was a good run.
0: <laughs> so are you planning one of those big, like 56 lessons from 56 years posts that, uh, that we often see?
1: Not only is that incredibly cringe as my kids would say, um, but no, I'm too busy to do that anyway. <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't think so
0: okay but if you if you were going to do one what would be the first lesson that you would give 56 years the first accumulated some wisdom
1: yeah the first lesson would be you shouldn't know how old your business partner is without asking him on the air
0: i agree completely what should the penalty be for someone who might get that wrong on the run sheet, but I,
1: I do appreciate the fact that you did think I was younger. <laughs> and again, I think up. that goes back to the emotional maturity of a fifteen-year-old thing. That I, you know, but uh. Uh,
0: that is very true. Well, we wish you a happy birthday. Hopefully, you have a great weekend. Uh, and we should mention something also that's happening next weekend, uh, which is the price raise uh, for the premium subscribers on Substack. That, I believe, is happening next Friday, correct? So we've got the current price right now. That price is going up, so folks still have a chance to lock in uh, that lower price right now before we raise it.
1: Yeah, just to be clear, as you're listening to this, that price raise is this Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, that's just a few days away. Um, but yeah, so we we've had the introductory pricing. We've kind of gotten rolling. With the premium lessons, the uh, feedback on those has been really great so far. But uh, it, it's a good deal, um, even at the new price. But uh, I think about you know the last membership site we did, and for the same annual price of $120, we basically just offered loads of content. And just a small part of that content became a course outside of that membership site, and that was a $500 course. So this is uh, how I try out ideas, introduce them for the first time, refine them. Um, But I have to say, with longevity gains, I've got three courses worth of stuff, I think, at least two, maybe three, that we're going to cover in the next year. So it's going to be pretty high value. Um, This is all kind of based on the culmination of the work I've done for the last five years since I basically left Copyblogger and all of that and shifted gears in this direction. So it's uh, it's not something I just came up with (laughs) Um, recently. It's an evolution. But it's been amazing since um, thinking in terms of trying to teach this stuff how much it informs our strategy further um, that's accelerated for me because I'm thinking about, okay, when you have to try to teach something to someone, um, you go from just doing it to having to try to explain what you do. And sometimes that can be difficult, um, but I've I've had some realizations of things that I've always left out uh, when I try to teach people, whether whether we call it content marketing or we call it thought leadership or what have you, the old curse of knowledge. I mean, my background is in psychology, sociology, and then the practice of law. I had like the intense crash course in persuasion, uh, basically uh, during my formative years. And so when it came time to do this stuff, beginning in the early days, but especially with Copyblogger, I knew how to do things. And yet so often when you're trying to explain something to someone else who doesn't have your background they're like i think you're leaving something out here because i'm not getting there and i think this is uh the missing link if you will the uh missing element uh that you'll start seeing in the premium lesson so anyway if you're interested want to join us it's good stuff i promise you you're going to get more than your money's worth So make sure and join us before the end of the week. That uh, deadline is Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific. What is the date on Friday, Jared?
0: Uh, I'm going to find that out right now. Uh, That is
1: October 6th, Jared. You are my producer. You don't know my birthday. You don't know what day (laughs) Friday is. I I mean, come on, man. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't. You told me once that you accidentally days. messed up your wife's birthday once, and she's I never going to forget that. Not, not yeah. for the airwaves. <laughs> well, you've messed up my birthday once now, and I'm never going to forget it. So great. This is, this is how it works. <laughs> this is wives and bin- business partners. Vindictive. You just can't yeah. help it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I got to pay more attention. By the way, I will say one last note on the premium subscription. I've obviously read most of the things that you've written from working with you, a copy blogger and all the work that we've done now. I've really been enjoying these premium lessons because there's new stuff in there and there's new concepts that you haven't touched on and there's kind of twists on old concepts. Like it's been really, really interesting to read and kind of see the evolution of how you're thinking about these things. So, and I say that, I know there's a lot of people listening who have, you know, read a lot of your stuff and kind of been around a lot of the things we've done. Um, and I just want to say like, there's new stuff in here. This isn't just, you know, kind of some of the old stuff. You got a lot of new concepts um, and I'm really enjoying no, yeah.
1: from them. I think people that we've worked with closely over at Unemployable and whatnot will recognize the core concepts because you just you don't reinvent yeah. your process or your strategic approach, uh, but they will notice it's refined and expanded. And I think that's the missing link part that I was talking about. Yep. So it's exciting to me because getting clarity and and helping people seeing the light bulb go off is the most satisfying part of teaching. Um otherwise if I didn't get that thrill from it I would just go do the stuff and ignore this part of it but I really love this. So anyway. Yep.
0: Cool. We'll go to longevitygains.com/premium. Uh, I believe is the URL uh, where you can go learn more about that and get signed up before that price goes up okay uh brian let's uh let's move on to the topic from today and so speaking of those premium lessons at the conclusion of a recent premium lesson, you introduced the concept of the leading expert, and that's a term that I think most people are familiar with, but you mean it in a different way. so can you elaborate on that term leading expert?
1: Yeah, so after uh we sold studio press and we were living in france, uh, I mentioned this before, I had time to finally for the first time just pause and reflect a little bit and that's when i realized that every business since 2002 was basically started in the context of a business movement right there was something going on that was a move away from the way things are right this was first in the real estate industry uh where i kind of latched on to What's still a, a niche concept within real estate, but uh, it was a very powerful one for that particular business. But, you know, it, that was a huge realization to me because I always found that the type of marketing we do, creating content, right, uh, became so much more powerful than I think most people just think of what. Is known as content marketing, a term I'm starting to hate even more and more because what does that tell you? It tells you that if you create content, you're doing marketing, but you're not at all, right? I mean, it's the marketing part is completely left out of it. You know, that's why I like the term empowerment marketing. At least it tells you what your marketing is supposed to be accomplishing. Yes, you create content to do that, but empowerment's the objective, not content creation, right? Anyway, so uh, another thing that I mentioned is that Dr. Robert Cialdini, who uh, is a social psychologist, very famous for his principles of influence, and his book called influence. So back in 2016, he revealed a seventh principle. And it was called unity. And before that time, it was really difficult for me to explain to people just how powerful this movement mindset, you know, over marketing really is, because that is the principle that makes that make sense. Now, during the copy blogger years, you know, my job was to teach people to use content marketing to build businesses in general, and Sonia and I tried to do that basically with the concept of the likable expert. Right, this is the pretty powerful combination of the influence principles of liking and authority, which is another way of saying the old uh, expression, no like, and trust, right? So if you're a likable expert, uh, they know you, they like you, and then through your expertise and the combination of liking and all that good stuff, they end up trusting you, right? And that is a reasonable explanation but I always felt like there was way more to it than that. And that's why Cialdini's announcement in 2016 of the unity principle, we were just like, oh, this is it. And this is why uh, operating within the context of movements and missions is way more powerful than marketing and niches.
0: You mentioned Cialdini's principles. Can you give us a quick refresher on the original six? And then Unity was the one that he added after that.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Back when I started Copy my very first 10 posts were called Copywriting 101. Even back then, I wrote in series, and that was basically the 10 fundamentals of copywriting. But the second uh, series I wrote, I think it was called Blog Triggers, and it was Cialdini's six principles of influence. Of course, it has nothing to do specifically with blogging, but blogging as and a form of persuasive communication, then obviously bloggers needed to know about these principles. And that was the first exposure a lot of people had to those principles. I'm guessing most of you out there uh, are somewhat familiar with them at this point, but if not, yeah, let's run through them real quick. So the first one is reciprocity. And that's the idea that uh, we don't like to be indebted to someone else so if someone does something for us we turn, tend to you know return the favor um there was actually a study about uh, the effect of sending strangers christmas cards like person who doesn't know you at all you just send them a card and then they measured how many people sent the card back and it was a remarkable amount of people right wow. So when applied to uh, you know digital marketing, the idea, at least early on was when you give away free content, that sparks the reciprocity principle, and people feel more likely to, uh, you know, return the favor by paying attention, maybe buying from you, becoming a customer. These days, I think free content is so expected that there's a sense of entitlement that I think negates. The reciprocity principle but not when you exhibit true generosity and that can be through content but that's really more the substance of what you're giving them than it is just the fact that it's a free thing right and i think that's a, a fairly misunderstood principle when it comes to lead magnets and things like that um your lead magnet should not just be something to get an email address. It should start the process that involves all these other elements of influence in order to say to that person, you belong here, right? And I, that's such a wasted opportunity that let people give away a checklist or some silly thing. Yeah, they want the checklist, but they don't really want you. <laughs> and that's a missed opportunity. The next one is commitment and consistency. This is also called the foot in the door principle. Uh, Salespeople know this. Uh, They'll ask for something small, uh, you comply, and then they ask for something big. And to be consistent, you say yes to that as well. Um, And this can be, you know, the foundational aspects of just about every sales funnel or, uh, you know, uh, what happens after someone commits and gives you that email address, perhaps, and then you start leading them down the path uh, because you understand them and you understand their problems, and they're motivated to stick with you um, because they've made a commitment and you are keeping them in a consistent mode. So I think that is uh, a fairly powerful principle these days. Again, not always understood or used to its fullest. But, uh, a solid thing to keep in mind. The next one is authority, which is a big one. And you know, throughout the years, Jared, we've seen authority websites and authority as it relates to SEO and you know the uh, how Google views your website. We had a membership community called authority, mm-hmm. um where we talked about that likable expert thing. So yeah, likable expert, the combination of authority. And the next one, liking. So authority is interesting because it's about expertise and how we generally have deference for expertise. Uh, but as we've seen lately, uh, not always. It, it doesn't really matter what your credentials are. If you're not uh, on the same team as as some people, then they reject you, right? And that it has something to do with unity that we'll talk about. So again, I already mentioned liking that's a really kind of simple thing we we enjoy being around people we like um and generally that we like people who are similar to us so again it sounds a little bit like unity uh but uh it's much more unity is much more powerful than simple liking for example uh we like attractive people and we tend to trust them for no good reason just cuz they're good looking like that that is dumb human trick type stuff, right? Um but that explains why your news anchor looks the way they do, <laughs> why actors look the way they do, et cetera, that kind of thing., uh, social proof is another one. It's basically the backbone of the social internet, which means the internet, but specifically social media uh, likes, retweets, uh, you know, again, this is one of those principles that people think operates in a vacuum but it matters who's liking and retweeting um to whether it serves as any sort of guiding principle but basically social proof just means we look to others in ambiguous situations for indications of what to do of quality uh even of authority those kind of things you know everyone's got as seen in money magazine fortune entrepreneur you know all these places that really if you know better don't mean a whole bunch but <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know but uh, that's an aspect of social proof as well and then the six or sixth original principle of influence that shielding identified is scarcity and uh like it or not this is why we are ending introductory pricing on Friday, <laughs> instead of just waiting around for everyone <laughs> uh, to sign up whenever they want to. Um, it's uh, it's it's a it can be a highly abused concept. Fake scarcity is abundant still. It's nowhere near as bad as it was before I started Copyblogger during the down and dirty internet marketer days. Boy. I mean, some of the. Cheap tricks that were done back then with scarcity were just ridiculous. But I literally just saw our friend, our friend, Billy Browes, right? He just Mm -hmm. did a uh, presentation in unemployable. He kind of called out Frank Kern because he got an email that says you got four hours left to get this deal. And then 12 hours later, he went to the website and the countdown said, you've got three hours still. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that could be a technological fail. It's a fail though, right? As soon as someone thinks um, you're faking scarcity, the scarcity principle stops working. And so does all the trust and authority and liking and social proof and everything else that you've worked so hard to build. So scarcity works. It's important. It's the idea behind every, you know, Labor Day sale, temporary price uh, drop, a limited number of whatever our brains don't want uh, to miss out on something. In fact, we are more wired to avoid loss than we are to seek gain. And that's really why the scarcity principle is so powerful. So those are the original six. But with the unity principle added in, we now have a much more powerful concept to explain You know, the mindset that involves movements and missions and mentors, they result in much larger success because unity means that you share an identity with the person you're trying to persuade. It's group dynamics, it's group values, attitudes, all the psychodynamic stuff we're talking about in uh, the premium lessons. This is at the heart of it, right? So when I mentioned that you're not an authority despite your credentials, if you're not on team B or the red team or the blue team, you know, all of this at the political level, again, is the most extreme examples. um, But this happens in much less extreme situations, right? And if you spend some time thinking about it, you understand like how i know for for sure that anyone who went to indiana university and uh is a fan of the hoosiers is your friend until proven otherwise is that not true mr of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. absolutely you are you are one of the best examples of a you know an an institution combined with a sports team uh that's you know, that's a tribe. That's a tribe yep. of loyal people who, with shared identities. And we do business with several people from Indiana that, you know, and I didn't choose them. So, <laughs> but th- but they're all good people. They've they all really done are. awesome
0: work. That's right.
1: But then I, you know, you, you send me an invoice to pay and I'm like, yep, Indiana. <laughs>
0: hey, it's like Kurt Vonnegut said, anywhere you go, there's a Hoosier there doing something important. So
1: apparently so he knew, so. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. <laughs> uh, okay so um yeah so that's basically what i mean by leading expert leading expert generally means the foremost expert the most qualified the most credentialed right and that's kind of been a dead concept for a long time because the person with online authority is not the one with the best credentials it's the one who demonstrates their authority with people right so you've got someone over here who's mr ivory tower harvard degree what have you uh but they keep every all their papers are locked behind a paywall and then you've got someone over here um who shares freely based on those same ideas findings research studies and they're dan pink and you're still over there in your ivory tower right and that's just Mm -hmm. one example of you know dan pink is a lawyer like me didn't practice law effectively became an author um who made complex topics easy to understand malcolm gladwell did the same thing several other adam grant of wharton actually is in an ivory tower and he does it quite well as well And and I'm using authors as an example, but this is also every content marketer, including me, you know, especially during the copy blogger days, where you effectively changed how someone views something, but they listened to you in the first place because you shared an identity with them. And that's really, you know, what we're talking about here. It's more about being a leader than it is being an expert. So that's how I'm using the term leading expert, which I think is fairly clever, if I do say so myself.
0: Mm. All right, so so when you use this term leading expert, so the leading part there, that relates to expert leadership. Like you were saying, you can't just keep all your ideas hidden, you've got to be leading a group with these ideas.
1: Yeah, expertise is not enough to lead, because if the people you're trying to lead don't see you as part of the group or someone with a shared identity they effectively go find someone else who does right so on one hand we've got people who don't share their knowledge even though they're highly qualified and that opens the door to someone else to come along and be more generous there's that reciprocity principle uh, with sharing They build an audience, a following, a movement, if you will, because they were, they effectively chose to step in and lead, even though they weren't the most, you know, qualified person uh, empirically, if there is such a thing. So you can become the literal leading expert when you understand the unity principle and how shared identity works. So This is an important thing to understand for those trying to create thought leadership content, right? Which is, when we get down to it, this is the form of content marketing with the biggest impact. And it's what I've been doing since 2002, even though I didn't call it that. And I certainly don't call myself that. But there there are such serious misconceptions about what thought leadership is, it, it prevents so many people from succeeding with it.
0: Okay, so then that begs the question: What is thought leadership, really? And it also begs another question, which is apparently you've made peace with that term because there really one that you've used so much in the past.
1: Yeah, there was a. There's a couple terms that I've I've kind of been critical of. Thought leadership, personal branding is one that I will not budge on, uh, and, and that's a good contrast right there. A thought leader, as a leader of others, whether in thought or otherwise is focused on other people. Personal branding is all about you, and that's why you fail, right? If you become a thought leader by helping other people, your personal brand works itself out just fine. Please, and I'm not accusing anyone of listening or being this way, because if you know me at all, then you know how I feel about this. It's all about them and what you can do for them, and if you do that, then everything you want personal brand, fame, notoriety, money, that comes to you because you help other people. And this is not a difficult or new concept. And yet we are, as human beings, kind of wired to be selfish, right? To think of our own interests, right? But the The irony is that you promote your own interest by helping other people and having enough faith to realize it's going to come back to you. I mean, I've, I've got to say, by helping other people, I've gotten back more than I even could have dreamed of expecting, right? So that's why you don't want to think quid pro quo, which means I'm doing this and you give me that. You just want to say, I'm doing this because you have this problem. And I am driven to help people with it. So my most recent um, lesson uh, for premium subscribers went into detail about something called founder problem fit as opposed to a product market fit, right? Um, A lot of entrepreneurs start off uh, with an idea for a product and then they define a market for it. And then they go raise money. And then it doesn't work and they blow through all the money and fail spectacularly. It's, it's amazing to me how many venture capital backed businesses fail. It's, it's like the worst record. Like if it were a batting average, you would be kicked off the team. Right. (laughs) But this is, this is what's accepted as, um, as the status quo, I guess. But, Founder problem fit is the way I've operated, again, for the last 20 years. And that is, I don't start with a product. I start with a problem and the type of people who have that problem. And then generally, I figure out what the product is. Now, an exception was the real estate business. I was selling real estate services. I knew that going into it. But even then, I understood the problem in a different way because of my unique background as an attorney. So my abilities uh, and commitment to doing something better than what the real estate industry typically offers became my sense of purpose. And therefore, that became my mission, right? And that's why we talk in terms of mission. Um, It is not some fluffy theoretical concept. It is exactly the mindset that will get you to success as a bootstrapped or just small business that doesn't have millions of dollars in the bank to run through trying to figure it out, right? But here's another ironic thing that um, the biggest proponent of founder problem fit in the last couple of years is the head of Sequoia Capital, a venture capitalist, Mm. right? Because they're sick of spending millions of dollars on ideas when what they're really betting in on is a founder and they want a founder that is so committed to solving a problem that they'll basically run through walls to get it done, right? Now that makes a little more sense to me and I I certainly would invest my money that way as well. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's like Airbnb, right? Um, what how do they market Airbnb? Are they talking about the features and benefits of the platform? No, they tell stories and and create thought leadership around the idea of living like a local. Don't stay in a hotel. Live like a local. Now, we take Airbnb somewhat for granted now. And we're even maybe getting to a backlash phase against Airbnb, mainly because of the host more than airbnb i mean i think something needs to happen there but Mm -hmm. that idea of living like a local when i lived in france we were in an airbnb for three months and then when we went to australia same thing right that is a very powerful message that's thought leadership and those were a couple of founders who saw a problem that drove them to create the company that they did so that's a good one And, you know, again, we've talked about that movements always involve a change away from the status quo, therefore thought leadership, right? Where are you leading? If you're just parroting the the status quo, you're not leading anything, certainly not thoughts or action for purchasing behavior. No, thought leadership is always about getting people to think differently, and that's why I've made my peace with this term. I still don't think you should call yourself a thought leader because if you call yourself one, you probably aren't, right? It's again, (laughs) you don't need to call yourself an expert either. You need to demonstrate thought leadership. You need to demonstrate expertise. Um, And, you know, this this all gives you this mission-driven sense of purpose, which is another way of saying founder problem fit. You are on a mission. You're no longer a marketer. You're no longer just an entrepreneur trying to make a buck. You're on a mission to solve problems. And then finally, I've got three M's here, movement, mission, and then our old familiar favorite, mentor. When you have that mentor or guide mindset, then you're always putting the prospect first, right? They're the protagonist. You're Obi-Wan. They're Luke Skywalker. You're helping them uh, meet their objectives to transform who they are, in the process, you became a hero as well. And you get all that great stuff that you were looking for or that people who are self-centered are looking for, except you did it the right way. Mm.
0: All right. And so now to bring this all full circle, now how does the unity principle come in with these?
1: Right. So expertise or thought leadership doesn't mean a whole bunch without that initial group identity meaning not just you have a problem and i'm on a mission to solve it you have a problem and i had that problem and this is why i'm on a mission right so identification at the problem or interest level is important but there's also the the added elements here of belief, right? Why do people do anything? It's based on, on what they believe, right? Um, so the unity aspect of this is really the whole why of why psychographic marketing is the only way to really connect with people at a meaningful level, and why demographics, other than the fact That we are talking to people generally above the age of 50. That's the last demographic consideration, really, that you take into account at the beginning of trying to figure out who you're talking to. You know, but but really it's it's not that complicated. The leading expert is a leader in a commercial movement. And beyond knowing your audience, which is marketing 101, you are being a member of that audience you are one of them right and this is so crucial and i don't think it's something that people really take into account um it can be an intuitive concept right and those are generally the people with the founder problem mindset to begin with they never even think twice about it because so many of the founding stories that you hear that really resonate with an audience are often very personal about why they chose to do that, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, someone died or someone was sick or or something like that. Although often those are the stories that drive people. Um, but the guys from Airbnb were just looking for a way to make some extra cash. It still cracks me up that their name literally means air mattress, bread and Beckford bread and breakfast. That's a hard thing to say. I'm glad that they, they shortened that, but, uh, that was the original concept. Like you can stay in this room if you pay us some money and you can sleep on this air mattress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: All right. Well, that is all awesome stuff. Uh, Brian, any final thoughts before you close up and begin your wild birthday, birthday celebration bash?
1: I can tell you it's not going to be wild, Jared. I'm just no. honestly putting on an act here. I have not the energy for this kind of thing. No, but that's because I, you know, I'm going hiking in a minute. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, my bad boy days are kind of behind me, but you know, you got to keep the mythology rolling. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so th- this is really just an introduction to this topic um it's something that we're going to be exploring in much more detail um because again it, it all makes sense it's not complicated and then when you try to figure out okay what does that mean for the actual things that i talk about and the way that i express or the how of of how i communicate these things and that's the part i've never talked about before and we're going to get into so if you're interested And being the first uh, to understand how this works when marketing to older people and, frankly, marketing to anyone, then uh, take advantage of the introductory pricing. We've got Friday, October 6th, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Go ahead and lock that in. It'll never go up uh, for the life of your subscription. If you're already a premium member, don't worry. Your prices will never go up either uh this will only be for new people after that time on friday so anyway i am off jared i uh will talk to you later i'm you know you know what i want for my birthday oh what's that the buffs to beat usc
0: that would be nice it's gonna be that's never going
1: that's never going to happen jared
0: Probably this is not. why I It'll, need
1: to ask for something else. It's going to be like, like a Ferrari, to
0: thirty-five.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I after last week against Oregon, I would kill for thirty-five points. <laughs> <That'd be nice. laughs> we couldn't even make the extra point on our <laughs> one touchdown.
0: <laughs> uh, I know, but at least you didn't get skunked. That's the key. Got it. Got it in the well. End
1: it, it came close. I, I feel it like did. that was a mercy, mercy play. Anyway,
0: it was all right. Longevitygains.com slash premium that will take you right to the page where you can upgrade your premium subscription price goes up on october 6th and we will be back next week with another episode brian
1: take care everyone